right. So we are going to crack open the word today. If you have your Bibles, it is a good time to have it. So we are in a series. Do any of my youth remember what series we are in? Yeah. What is that? Unbelievable. That was a couple series ago. The first word is inner inner circle. There it is. We are talking about the inner circle of Jesus, right? The disciples. Who were they? We're going to learn things about them. And ultimately, how can we grow in our spiritual walks today in 2020 by looking at the lives of the disciples? So last week, we talked about Simon Peter. Right? He was the first one we went to. And the big idea for that, we looked at his transformation. We looked at where Simon Peter started. We looked at where he ended and how much God changed him through the course of his life. And the big idea was that is what he wants for each and every one of us. God wants us to transform. Now today, we are looking at another set of disciples here. They are brothers, in fact, James and John. And the big idea that I want you guys to get from this, all right, what this all is about. We talked about transformation. This is the how, right? We know that we need to transform, but that knowledge isn't much good if we don't know how God wants us to transform, right? So this is the big idea for this week, all right? Transformation, it doesn't erase you. Transformation refines you. I'm going to say that one more time. Transformation God's transformation does not erase you, it refines you, all right? So before we go any further, I have a question uh, for anyone in the audience willing to participate, okay? My question is, have you ever been given, keyword, given a nickname and what for, all right? You can't give yourself the nickname. You're not like, oh, Captain Awesome, gave it to myself, all right? No, have you ever been given a nickname, Gabby? All right, everyone calls her Noodle because when she was small, she ate a lot of spaghetti and spilled it all over herself. All right? Uh, yeah, right there. Everyone calls him a monkey because his ears are big. That's, that's good. That's good. That's what I'm looking for, right? We all, most of us, a lot of us, have nicknames, right? Some of us are probably like, I have one, but I'm not saying it in church, right? Too embarrassing. Not happening. And uh, I'm sorry, that's all we have time for. But... Nicknames, right? We get them for things we do, things we look like, all this different stuff. Uh, as an example, my younger brother, uh, he, he had a nickname when he was smaller that just kind of stuck. All right, because here's what would happen. Anytime you were taking a drink of something and you set it on the counter, two little hands would find that drink and they would take a sip, right? Some of you have kids, little siblings, you know the struggle, right? Anytime you take a bite of anything and you set it down, two little hands find it and they take a bite out of it too, right? So we called him Sippy Nibbles, right? Because he took sips out of your drink and he nibbled all of your food, right? That's a nickname that he earned, right? And to this day, except now he doesn't nibble. He just like engulfs it and it's gone, right? So... Speaking of nicknames, these two disciples in the inner circle, they had nicknames, right? Given by Jesus. And we see this in Mark three seventeen, right? It says, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name 
Boanerges. Wow, that's a nickname right there. That's up there with sippy nibbles, right? But what it means is sons of thunder. I'm going to say that again. And could you guys go, ooh, when I do, all right? Sons of thunder. Ooh, right? That sounds intimidating, right? How do you get the nickname sons of thunder, right? Well, this is going to blow your mind. Let me tell you, we don't know. All right. Sorry to tell you. Uh, There's not really an explanation given in scripture on why these two are called sons of thunder. But I think it's fun to theorize. All right. A lot of people hold to the opinion that possibly the reason they got these nicknames were because these two brothers were of a thunderous personality. You guys probably know somebody when I say thunderous personality. It reminds you of, right? Uh, James and John, I mean, they were bold. They were brash. They were the very definition of rough around the edges. If something was on their mind, it was out of their mouth. There was no filter, right? These guys were not afraid to do or say anything that popped into their head for better or for worse, right? And so we're going to look at two examples of James and John to look at, at this thunderous personality, these people that they started as, all right? So the first one is, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible apps, if you have your ancient scrolls, if you brought those with you, unravel them and turn to Mark chapter 10, verses 35. We're going to read 35 to 41. It will be on the screen too, but I just think there's just a little extra something about just like having the word in your hands, right? If you don't, it's all right. But if you do, all right, tap into that. Mark 10, 35 through 41. And this is what it says. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, Jesus, and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Right? And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or my left hand is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. All right, let me paint this picture and tell you why this was a thunderous Move, okay, and not in a good way. All right, before this conversation even happened, a little context, right? Jesus had just given them a little spoiler. Jesus says, Hey guys, I'm about to be taken, I'm about to be beaten, I'm about to be insulted, I'm about to be killed, right? He lays out what's about to happen to him, that he's about to go to the grave. And right after he tells them that, that's when James and John are like, Oh man, so could we sit at your right hand? That'd be cool, right? It would kind of be the equivalent if a good friend of yours, a mentor maybe, came up to you and gave you this this terrible news, hypothetically, all right? You know, I'm not going to be around much longer. And your response was, man, can I have your car when you go? Because you're not going to need it, right? That's what the vibe of this was. Like Jesus tells them he's going and their response is, hey, you should like do something for us before you go. And not only that, all the other disciples are not happy because there's 10 of them, right? They're all like virtually the same rank and you get two that are like, hey, put us in charge of them. That would be cool, right? So like they don't think about how this is going to affect the group. They don't read the room at all as they're saying this. They're just like, it popped into my head. It's out of my mouth. Let's do this. That was 
excuse me, that was James and John, the sons of thunder. Right. Let's look at another passage real quick. This one, I dare say, is even worse. This one, um, not as popular as the other one, probably for good reason. But it is in Luke 9, 51 through 54. Luke 9, 51 through 54. And this is what it says. All right. So Jesus and the disciples, they were just in Samaria. Jesus was teaching. And here we are. It says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set, he being Jesus, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Right? So that's what happens, right? And Jesus is not too happy about it, right? And um, so let's just like lay this out. Jesus walks, he's coming into town. He's like, hey, can I have a place to stay? The town, it's Samaritans, Samaritans and Jews. It's like Cardinals fans and Cubs fans, right? They, they just don't like each other, right? And, um, and so what happens is they're like, no, you can't stay here. You and your people better move on, right? Disrespect. And so James and John, they take that disrespect and they take it to a whole new level. They're like, Jesus... Buddy, come here. Here's what we're going to do for you, okay? Let us call down fire and kill everyone in town because this is ridiculous, all right? There should be an open hotel or something, right? Just way over the top, right? And Jesus is like, what? No, we're not going to torch these people because we can't sleep there. That's ridiculous. But that was James and John. Like, they were ready to call down fire. Like, I don't even think they could call down fire, right? It would have to be Jesus. But, but in their mind, they could call down fire. And so... This is the level of, of thunderous personality, right? With James and John, the sons of thunder. So like I said, we don't know if that's where the name came from. But irregardless if it came from their personality or if it came from something else, we can be absolutely sure that they had thunderous personalities, right? That they started as bold, brash, hot-headed, ready to go, no filter, hard on their sleeve, guys just ready to fight, right? For better or for worse. So before we talk about the end of their lives, I want to talk a little bit about transformation, right? Because that's what this is all about. How do we transform? And we'll get there. But I want to show you guys a picture, all right? This is a picture of my dog, Baloo. Here he is right there. He is a cute little thing. And then he got a little older and he eats everything. And now he's, he's a bit of a terror. But listen, that's him now, right? He, uh, he has a raincoat because my wife decided that dogs need raincoats, so we bought that. And, um, but if we can go back to that first picture real quick, I just want to point something out here. Notice his leg, all right? From the time that he was a little baby, fuzzy little puppy right here, he always laid like that. He would tuck one leg in and the other one he would lay straight out. Now look at this second picture one more time. Notice the differences. This does not even really look like the same dog as that first picture. His fur is different, right? He's bigger. He, his tail's longer. Everything about him is different. He has transformed into a bigger adult dog, right? But let me tell you something, and I wish I had a picture of it, but I couldn't, I couldn't get one on short notice. When he lays down, still, to this day, he tucks one leg in and he lets the other leg hang out. And I say that to say this. You see it even in nature. Transformation does not 
erase you. Transformation does not take away who you are, even in the dog, right? He looks different. He acts different. He sounds different. But he's still that same little puppy who sticks one leg out, right? And here's what we're talking about. It's the same for us spiritually. When we spiritually transform, when God is changing us from the person who was dead in their sins to someone with new life in Christ, there's a lot that's going to change. But we're still the same person on some level. It's a good thing, let me tell you, because a lot of times we get intimidated when we're like, man, I really want to grow in my faith. I really want to become a stronger Christian. I really want to transform but I just don't know how to become that person. That person in my mind seems so different than who I am right now. I don't know how, because that's not me. The good news is God does not call us to completely change our identity. He doesn't call us to be erased or replaced. He calls us to be refined. Now, when we talk about being refined, we have to define the word, right? So to refine is to take away the impurities so that all that's left is the desired element, right? A big thing that is refined often is ore, right? You get chunks of rock with precious metal inside. So let's say you have gold ore and you want to refine it. What happens is you get that gold ore, you get that hunk of rock and dirt and everything surrounding what you want. You heat it all up, right? To where it gets like at a crazy melting point level heat. And it all melts down and all the rock and the dirt and all this stuff you don't want, it burns up and goes away. And what you're left with is the gold. What you're left with is what you want. Spiritually, that's what God calls us to do, right? And sometimes that process of refinement isn't fun. Sometimes we have to go through the fire, if you will, right? We have to go through trials. We have to go through tough learning situations, Sometimes it's, it's not as tough, right? Sometimes it's just studying your word. Sometimes it's learning from a friend or a mentor. Whatever it is, God has a lifelong process of refinement for you and for me. And it doesn't change you to another person, right? You don't have to drop everything about yourself. You just have to take away the stuff that's getting in the way of being the person that God wants you to be. We're going to look at an example of this. All right. This is James and John, the sons of thunder at the end of their lives, right? At the end of the process of refinement. All right. So we just read, right? They were, you know, the story with them asking Jesus for something, being totally insensitive. The story with them threatening to kill an entire village for not letting them stay. Same guys. All right. Get this. First, we're going to look at James. It's in Acts 12, 1 through 2. It says, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. That's the end of James' life. Now, when King Herod decided he was going to persecute the church, right, I don't think that he would pick any old person, right? If you were in King Herod's shoes and you're like, man, I really want to get at these Christians at this church, you don't just go and you don't just pluck someone, right, and be like, all right, we'll take you out. No, you go to someone who is, who is preaching the word, who is making a difference, who is boldly and fearlessly proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what James was doing, right? And so they take him and they kill him, and unto death, James was faithful to God, right? That was the end of his days. Next, we see John. He was exiled to the island of Patmos, right, where he was left to die. 
Some, there's extra biblical sources that claim that before that happened, John was dipped in boiling oil in a coliseum and lived through it. Boiling oil. And yet this man stayed faithful to God, right? Even wrote a handful of the books of the New Testament. Now this one blows my mind. Guess what his nickname was? John, the apostle of love. Would you believe it? Would you believe the one of the apostles who at one time was like, let me kill this whole village for disrespecting you. I'll do it right now. Was known as the apostle of love. That doesn't seem like it's even possible. Jesus even put his own mother, Mary, in John's care when he was on the cross, right? What a transformation. But I just want to point out something about their transformation. God did not erase who they were. He didn't, right? James and John, there are things about him that are still James and John, right? They are still bold. They are boldly proclaiming their faith. They are still courageous, right? In the face of death, they still represent Jesus Christ to their final breath, right? They are still passionate. They are still going hard for what they believe in. But some things have been stripped away, right? Now, there's a sense of humility, Now, there's a sense of kindness toward other people that wasn't there before. Now, there's some pride that's removed from their lives. They went through the process of refinement, but they were still the bold, passionate, courageous individuals that Jesus first met and called the sons of thunder. So what does it mean for us? As I start wrapping this up, if the band could come back up here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to put this in a nice package for us today. What does it mean for us, right? What does it mean for our transformation, all right? Well, guys, the message is simple. It's the same to them. It's the same to us. God does not want to erase you. God does not want to replace you. God wants you. God wants your talents, your abilities, your passions, your likes, your hobbies, everything that makes you, you. God wants that. But he wants it for his glory, not for ours, right? And so what he wants is us to be refined. He wants to take us in everything that makes you, you, right? Every good and perfect little detail that he put on you when he created you was for a purpose. He doesn't want that to go away. He wants it to be refined. He wants it to be repurposed for his glory, right? So if you're an athlete, right, let's say you're really good at sports, Right? He wants you to use that, but he wants you to use that for his glory. Right? Maybe you're really good at art. Right? Maybe that's your thing. He wants you to use that, but for his glory. Sometimes it's even things that are a problem in our lives. Maybe they don't, know, they don't need to be removed. Maybe they just need to be repurposed. For instance, when I was in from birth to uh, college, I had what they would say, that kid has a mouth on him. I heard that a lot. All right. I got in trouble a lot for the things I said because I was I was quick, quick on the reply. Right. Someone would say something and I'd just whip it out there. Right. I'd roast them. I'd, I'd make fun of somebody. Just something that would get me in trouble. Now, when God got a hold of my heart, he didn't take that away. Right. He didn't take away my ability to speak, my ability to throw something back out there. In fact, he got me passionate about speaking the message of Jesus Christ to students, something I never even thought I would do originally. And yet he put me on that road. And now I use my speaking and everything that used to be a problem. And I use it to tell the good news that there is salvation and new life in Jesus Christ. 
Guys, what do you have that you're using for yourself that needs to go to God? Right? Because every good and perfect gift comes from above. All your talents, all your interests, your passions, they don't need to go. They just need to grow into something for him. So I'm going to ask you guys a question And I want you to think about this, all right? Two questions, in fact. What needs to grow and what needs to go in your process of transformation? Because there's going to be some of both. What inside you is God trying to refine and bring out for his glory, right? It could be a hobby. It could be a talent. It could be a passion. Whatever it is, let God have it. Let God grow it into something beautiful for his glory. Not for ours, but for his And what needs to go, right? There's going to be things in our life that you're like, man, I just don't see how I could use this to honor God. Then you don't need it, right? If there is something in your life that you can't repurpose for God, get it out. That's what needs to be refined. That is the rock and the dirt that is surrounding your spiritual growth and potential. Lose it, right? You don't need it. What needs to grow and what needs to go? Guys, we are going to have a couple minutes of prayer. I want you guys to have a time between you and God. All right? Ask that question. God, what are you trying to grow in me? And what needs to go? Take a couple minutes. Ask that question. Have time with the Father. And we are going to close in worship.